Welcome to Homeschool Companion, your source for information, motivation, and inspiration. If you're part of the homeschool community or simply interested in learning more about home-based education, stay tuned. Together we'll examine the latest resources, learning styles, and teaching techniques. We'll speak with experts in the field to help you uncover every homeschool advantage. We'll also present suggestions on how to keep Christ in the curriculum as we explore fresh ways to teach and learn. Here's your homeschool companion host, author, educator, and children's ministry specialist, Dr. Rose Gamblin. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Our verse today is taken from Lamentations 3.26. It is good that man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is difficult to train an elephant, but once trained, these intelligent animals are extremely obedient and loyal. Some of them become so emotionally attached to their trainer that they will only obey that trainer and no one else. They will refuse to eat unless the trainer is there. Fum was such an elephant. Once tamed, he was so devoted to his trainer that he even showed jealousy when the trainer's wife was nearby. He would snort and turn his back on her. In Asia, where Fum lived, elephants are used as we once used horses. They serve as transportation to pull heavy loads, to carry their masters on hunts, and to take part in ceremonies. Fum was used to hunt wild elephants for training. This was done by herding them into an open area where they could be caught by the hunters. Fum loved these hunts, and when he saw the preparations being made, he'd become very excited. One day, his trainer became ill, so Fum could not be taken on the hunt. He was so upset by being left behind that he uprooted the tree he was chained to and ran away, carrying the tree with him. He tried to join the wild elephants, but because the scent of man was on him, they beat him and drove him away. Fum's keeper spent days searching for him. Finally, he found him wounded, wounded and bleeding in the kneeling position that elephants are taught to take to make mounting them easier. Having been rejected and beaten by his own kind and not knowing what to do, he did the only thing he could remember. He knelt and waited for the trainer to climb on. There is no telling how long he'd been kneeling when the trainer found him. You can imagine how happy both of them were to be reunited. In his animal way, Fum teaches us a lesson that many of us need to learn more fully. It is the lesson in our text. That is that our hope should be in the Lord and that having done all we can, we relax, wait trustfully, and see what he's going to do. That certainly speaks to me today because so many of us get in a frenzy, just like Fum did. He just got in a frenzy, and everything that he tried didn't work. His old life didn't accept him back. He couldn't find his trainer, and finally he just fell to his knees. Well, we need to fall to our knees also and pray. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for caring about us. We hold up to you our lives that we can wait patiently and see your mighty work on our behalf because we have nothing else we can do. We've tried it all. Thank you, Lord, and may you be with this show. All this I pray in my holy name. Amen. Amen. 
Ta-da! Arts and crafts. Well, today I thought we could focus a little bit on prayer since our devotional was about Fum, who was an elephant, and I already have things in that uh, Windows on God's World board about elephants, and of course you can choose to do what you ever want, but prayer is so cool. So I put in my Pinterest site a video about prayer, and then I put uh, another video called Douglas Talks, and he teaches about prayer. I didn't know I was ever going to be working for that puppeteer, but I'm currently working for him. Just a side interesting story. And then I put how to have a interactive prayer stations. So if you are working in children's ministries and you want to do a time of prayer, you can set up these stations and the sky's the the limit for whatever you think. Have your kids help you. You know, this is just the idea, How uh, the springboard, the beginning of a conversation. Have them help you with different types of prayers. You know, on one station could be draw a picture to give to someone who is ill and pray for them. Another one could be, you know, using clay or maybe go on a prayer walk. You know, just... Uh, all kinds of things. You can just find things to pray about. And it certainly will help kids connect with prayer. So whatever you do, have fun learning. Curriculum Corner. Well, we're discussing all week how to transition our child child out of a school if they don't feel safe. And as you're making this decision, we talked about safety first, emotional safety and physical safety, spiritual safety too. You know, these are all important legs of a stool. And if you knock one of them out, the others don't happen well. If your child doesn't feel uh, physically safe, then their spirituality and their academics, both of them suffer. And of course, Satan has a heyday when that happens. Today, we're going to talk about something you might want to do. First of all, while you're getting your act together, if you are going to pull your child out, you might choose to do a week or two of de-schooling where they totally decompress. They catch their breath, so to speak. It really does help to take some pressure off from mom or dad as you're In some states, you have to uh, let them know you're homeschooling. So there's paperwork and affidavits you have to fill out. And in other states, they're not quite so strict about it. But if you're in a state where you need to notify them that you're homeschooling, then that gives you a chance. And it also gives you a chance to reflect on your own philosophy, your own philosophy. In other words, do you lean toward more classical, Charlotte Mason, unschooling, traditional schooling at home versus at school? Are you going to use some of your courses? Are they going to be video-based? How much technology are you going to allow or use? So all of these things you think through, talk it over with your spouse, another trusted adult, your mom, your dad, and, but ultimately, the decision is the parents. How are they going to navigate this? So you want to think of ways that you can transition. And de-schooling is great. Kids, we're going to de-school for this week. 
or these two weeks, and then we're going to come back and and by then we'll have a great schedule to follow. We'll know what subjects we are going to focus on, usually some core subjects like reading, writing, and arithmetic. And the rest of the time, we're going to do inquiry-based learning or project-based learning, student-led learning, all of these things that really help kids to become excited again about learning. Questions parents ask. Here's a great question from Chelsea. She wants to know what unschooling looks like. And this is the stage. So her daughter's eight. Chelsea's a single mom and works full time from home. She's chronically ill and has an immune compromised um, problem. Finances are limited. And currently she's having her daughter work on reading and language arts and an online math curriculum. Sounds fantastic to me. Unschooling just really is a fancy word for student-led learning. And the more you can do that, the better. In fact, teachers, if they just focused on the idea that they are to create curiosity and motivate. And I'm be the first to say that, you know, in my traditional setup where I work right now, it's hard to encourage curiosity because I'm to teach math. And so I focus more on motivation and I try to do creative things within the math curriculum. But when you are homeschooling and when you're unschooling, you have that beautiful, natural unfolding of what is interesting to the child and then go for it. And Chelsea, it says that you go to the library. That is fantastic. Go to the library because there the world lies before you and encourage your little one to talk about some of the things that interest. What do you what are you interested in? And then do a little bit of strewing. I love the idea of strewing. I strew in my classroom. I put out different books on the coffee table so that the kids come across them and I see them reading them to each other. And, you know, it's just a fun thing. So that's the answer to that question. I think I have time for one more. Here's a little testimony from Selena. I homeschooled our four children through middle school with a child-led learning approach. Same thing as student-led learning. Once high school came, we let them choose whether they would like to keep homeschooling or attend the local public school. Three of them are currently in public school, while one of them decided to stick with homeschooling and graduated a year early, got her GED, and is now enrolled in the community college. Our oldest daughter is graduating from the public school with a 4.3 GPA and has been offered a full ride to the college of her choice. I have to tell you these things because I want to encourage you. Remember, your child is the best teacher and you are your child's best teacher. So don't forget and don't forget that. That's a great testimony. Well, I hope you'll stay tuned. We're going to be talking to Aaron Taylor, and he has done a beautiful book with photography of Jerusalem, and it really helps the kids to see where Jesus 
walked and did his ministry. So stay tuned. We're interviewing Aaron Taylor. We'll be right back. You have been listening to Homeschool Companion, a production of MRG Media. Be sure to join us on Facebook. Just type in the name Homeschool Companion. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. mrgmediaministries.com. Welcome, welcome. I'm here with Aaron Taylor. He and his wife, Pastor Crossfire Healing House Church. He has pastored there for more than 30 years. He's the proud father of six, and he has seven grandchildren. Wow, and counting on. Yes. I love grandchildren. They are great. His church has experienced firsthand the reality that dramatic transformation comes when you allow God's agape, unconditional love, to wreck you. He wants every believer to experience this transformative love that has changed his own life forever. And I'm holding the book. In it, it talks about agape, agape love and how it looks. And it talks about the secret to assessing and accessing and giving agape love to God and others. The meaning of the love triangle and how it changes everything why love needs the potential of failure to be agape, the power of forgiveness to provide agape for you in the world, and how to sow and reap agape in every sphere of your life. I also love the book because there's like a little workbook section in the back of each chapter. So for those families who are thinking, what should I do for a Bible? If you have middle school to high school age kids, this would be a great A great great tool, tool, a great little curriculum for your family. Well, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. And we wrote it with the idea of being able to do Bible studies in groups. And it is a great read just for one person. But we wanted to make sure that we were making it so that groups could get together and and study together. And what, what is the greatest fruit of all? It's love. I mean, very, very clear. They are all dependent on love. Every gift Mm -hmm. and every fruit is still self-dependent on love. And it's what everything's birthed out of. And so this book's been, uh, it's it's a real unique take. We hear love. Oh, yeah, 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 I know. Yes. And we hear agape. And sometimes we think, well, somebody's, you know, some pastor's just trying to make me think he's smart. And he's using some (laughs) words. But when in, in John 21, where Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? A lot of people think he responded out of the fact that he felt bad. His love, he he responded, I love you. But in the Greek, Jesus said, do you agape me? And he responded, I phileo, which Mm. is a brotherly love, an unconditional God kind of love and a brotherly love. And so I come at a little different vantage point in which so many of the Bible teachers and scholars and pastors that I've known every one of them have looked at it and they've just said, Oh wow. <laughs> How did we miss that? Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know that everyone has, I it just, it's not widely taught until you read it and you just go, well, of course that's what it is. Yeah. And, and uh, would it be awesome. wonderful if we could pour that into our young children, our oh, young man. people at the beginning of their journey. So, we, we need to know how to love God and how to receive God and his love. And I think um, just like in a marriage relationship, I tried to make my wife love me like I needed to be loved. And I needed to be loved 
with an unconditional God kind of love. Um, I think our children are looking for that same thing. Sturgio is a is a kind of love. It's not mentioned in the New Testament, but that's the Greek word for a parent kind of love. Yes. And um, so many times, that's probably the closest you could get to agape. But agape is best, best defined by simply looking at Jesus's life. And if at a young age, the sooner we can get kids to understand not only that God loves them, but what that love looks like, how do you receive it? And how do you give it? Because as you give it, like discipleship, it's not just knowing it, but as you apply it, it becomes who you are. It becomes part of your DNA, kind of who, you, who you've who you become. And it's so important that these kids from a young age are not only loved, but they understand what that love is and they understand what God's love is. That's precious. Uh, I just have to um, maybe dig into what led you up to this? You know, tell us about, tell us about Aaron uh, at the very beginning. Uh, when did you find Jesus Christ? Well, if you want to start the beginning. Yes, I do. So um, my, so my parents, my mom and my dad uh, were not married and my dad was drunk and he broke into my mom's house. They had dated years before, went to school together. And he broke in and raped my mother. And that's how I was conceived. And so I was given away uh, for adopt, up for adoption. And that is uh, my beginning. I was put into a home where I could flourish. And I did. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the adoption. Um, didn't know my biological mother or father or even the circumstances. And... Uh, it wasn't until my 30s that I had an opportunity to meet my mother. I searched for her. I had great parents. They both have passed away. Um, but I got a chance to meet her. And my whole goal all along has been to show her the love of Jesus. And That's my dad a also. fantastic testimony, isn't yeah. it? Because we know that so many children conceived that way are often aborted. So yes. your mother did a brave thing. What a thing. brave woman. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and we also know that children who are taken from their biological mothers have what we call a primal wound. Right. Did you have a primal wound? You know, I probably did, but there's lots of things I think we, we maybe have or don't have <laughs> and don't realize it. I think I was, I, I, I did spend a number of years uh, well, and again, I can't say anything about my biological or my adoptive parents uh, that wasn't amazing. They were amazing, married 60 some years before they passed away. Um, th just wonderful people. And yet I spent, well, at 12 years old, he asked how I came to <laughs> the Lord. I, uh, and not only got baptized, I uh, got filled with the Spirit, preached my first sermon at 12 years old, knew I was called of God. And within that same year, the enemy came hard after my life. Um, I uh, lost my virginity at 12 to an older woman. I lost, um, uh, got drunk wow. for the first time, did drugs for the first time, and spent the next number of years in a life of deceit and rebellion against God. And it wasn't until much later that 
that God reached back out to me. And he was reaching out to me the whole time. And I, I rode the fence. I, I played a lot of games. I was arrested many times. I ended up running a meth lab. All the things you don't want your kids to do. And I will tell you this from for parents. The, the one thing I can say my mom and dad really did wrong, and it wasn't much, they were naive. Mm-hmm. I, I had friends, cousins, because they were cousins, you can't say no. Yeah. Don't want to offend anyone. I, I had cousins that were older than me a little bit, and... And I got involved in things I just wasn't prepared for and didn't. And I, I literally brought destruction on my life. And so, you know, one of the beautiful things about this was, is God watched over me. My parents prayed for me and they remained faithful. And I was able to come back to the Lord, crawl up in my mama's arms at, you know, 250 pounds and, <laughs> and say, Mama, I, I love you and I'm sorry. And I was able to walk away from those friends eventually and that influence and eventually came back to serving the Lord, knew I was called of God. I thought it was too late, thought I, I thought I had blown it too much. And God made it clear, very clear that uh, he still had a, a call on my life and I've been serving the Lord ever since. Praise God. You know, those testimonies, as you were talking, I'm thinking, don't we all have a primal wound? Yeah. Because sin has entered. Yeah. We've been torn away from our creator. Yeah. And we all have a primal wound. And our parents, I'm sure they had, I mean, did they ever know what you had gone through? Did they ever find out what you had suffered? My biological mom and dad? No, you're adopted. You're adopted. You know, yeah, we, um, they, they have been, they were such great parents and such a great example. And, you know, to the parents out there, no matter where your children are at, and sometimes I think we, when the children are doing well, we get a little prideful and don't mm-hmm. do that because it just takes just one step in the wrong direction can be so destructive for a young person. Pray for your children. What you do on the mountain, and I say this, remembering the scripture of Moses on the mountaintop, Aaron and her keeping him when he got weary and tired. Mm-hmm. We need things like this radio show to encourage one another and, yes. and you know, don't get so isolated. Sometimes doing homeschool seems so isolating, but don't get so isolated that you're not supporting one another. But what's done on the mountaintop in prayer, in fasting, in trusting God spiritually is manifested into the valley where Joshua is fighting a day-to-day real-life battle. Mm-hmm. And we've got these real-life battles with our kids that sometimes overwhelm us where we're not fighting the spiritual battle. If you don't win it first, you lose in the valley. Yes, you, you have to have it yourself as a parent in order to pour it into your child. That's right. Well, we're almost to the end of our first part of our interview. All right. Praise God. We're we- going to talk about this incredible... And I got to say this, it is an incredible book because of this, because yes. it's right from the Word of God. Yes. It's just revelation yes. from the Word of God. We have been talking with Aaron Taylor about his book, Do You Love Me? And, and the, of course, we know the answer is yes, experiencing and extending tremendous love. And he has shared with us his testimony, uh, pretty powerful, and we have so much more to say, so Come back tomorrow for the second half of the interview. You have been listening to Homeschool Companion. 
a production of MRG Media. Be sure to join us on Facebook. Just type in the name Homeschool Companion. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.